are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation who will love deeply, serve sacrificially, speak truthfully, live holy, and go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit, calling all people to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen, that's who we are. So, with that in mind, and what Eric was sharing, <laughs> you should have put it on three minute delay. So what Eric was sharing last week about, oh, it's all because of the camera. <laughs> um, so Eric was sharing last week about being distracted, and I think we all can agree that we have distractions in our lives, um, myself included. And so that night, Sunday night, I was laying in bed, and I was just praying, and I was repenting for the distractions even in my life um, that I am currently in. And... Um, I was also praying for us as a church because I know we're all distracted. And so when I was praying, um, the Lord gave me a vision. And um, so as I was, I'll just share you the vision that the Lord gave me. Um, as I was laying in bed for the evening, I was praying and repenting for the distractions that had been in my life. And I was also repenting for New Covenant Worship Center for <coughs> distractions as well. As I was praying and being convicted, the Lord gave me a vision. And in the vision, every one of us were here, including myself, were here in the sanctuary. And we were really enjoying the message and really enjoying worship and um, enjoying the fellowship. But yet all the while, the room that all of our Houston men and our flip kids and our nursery and all that while, those rooms were on fire. And they were locked in, and they were all panicking, and they were all banging on the doors, saying, help me, help me, help me. Um, but yet we sat in the sanctuary being distracted by the message and the fellowship and the worship, and we did nothing. The vision greatly disturbed me, and I had trouble falling asleep and tossed and turned all night long. Every time I woke up, all I could see were the children just banging at the door screaming for help. Um, I know we repeat medicine statements collectively as a church. However, I don't feel people are connecting with the we that we did just now. We, that's you, that's me. Um, when it comes to church, oh, okay, hold on. It becomes something that we just repeat and the we applies to someone else or a mentality that a little dabbles me when it comes to serving. We, which is every person that is in agreement with our mission statement, and that sit in this church and attend New Covenant Worship Center should be participating in some area of ministry of the next generation. Amen. If we are all not partnering together, we become those people in the sanctuary that are distracted and let a generation of our very own children perish. I know that this was a real fire. It, I know if this was a real fire, we would all be running to the rooms. We'd be breaking down the walls, and we'd be risking our own lives to save our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, whoever is in these, this next generation that 
are in the youth, that are in the clips, that are in the nursery, that are in the firefighters, that are in the camp group, that we would risk our lives to save them. If we could become so distracted and let our very own parents, as Ms. Hudnett looked at Sentinel Center, we certainly will let our next generation of youth homicide perish as well. Eric has shared in his message, message that he will be held accountable for the people in his care. I also felt that the same applies for all of you at Covenant. God has called all of us to the next generation, and we are all held accountable for how we have reached and equipped them. I know this is a correction, but God does not correct us to manipulate us or guilt us or shame us or condemn us. He loves us enough to show us the extent of our distractions and how we lose sight of him and we forget as the body of the covenant who we are called to. We are not called to ourselves, but we are called to the next generation. Distractions show up in many forms, even good things like church can be a distraction. For me, even preparation for, for children's ministry and leadership academy can be a distraction for me. I can get so busy doing good things that I forget to take time for the Lord. So let's start saying I'm ready to the prophetic word from Dennis Kramer a year or so about getting ready. We say a lot about getting ready, but it's time to say I'm ready. Let's say I'm all in to a word that Rachel Platts has given us a couple years ago about being all, all in. Are you all in? I think some quiet, still, reflective conversations that we can all have with the Lord would look like asking him, Lord, am I all in? Lord, am I being distracted even by good things in my life? Lord, am I being a weed to the next generation? You could get an answer yes to all of those. Awesome. But ask yourself, can I even do more? Mm -hmm. Go to Brian and Sarah. Go to Ben and Emma or myself and you can partner with us to serve and equip the next generation. Or maybe you are already serving in an area of the next generation, but ask yourself, is there anything more that I can do more? I know I can do more. Yes, I am busy, but I can do something for these youth and the middle schoolers as well. And yeah. so I just want to challenge everybody to ask those questions. You have to be quiet and you have to be still before the Lord because I'm telling you, I know how distractions work for me. I get distracted. I say, well, when I get this done, then I'll do this, this, and this. But you know what? Another distraction just builds its growth. I promise you, we all can say that. And that's Absolutely. what happens in my life. Amen. And when I get this done, I have more time. I can spend with the Lord. But no, the enemy, he just puts something else right there to distract you. Amen. So um, that's all I have to say. I know it's a bit heavy. But again, it's God wants to show us the extent of our distraction and because he loves us, not to condemn us, not to make guilt or shame, but he just wants to move forward. Amen. So. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Amen. God continues to speak to us about getting ready and preparing our hearts and reaching this generation. And I praise the Lord that he is speaking. How about you? And it's his kindness that is drawing us. It's his kindness that is drawing us to it. I'm not on. Ah. It says I am. Green light. Does anybody see that green light? 
Test one, two. Test, test, test. Hey, do I have power yet? All right, Troy. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. I don't know what I said, but yeah, you heard it anyway, right? The room's not that big. God is good. Well, in this process of us being a people who are going hard after the Lord and His, His desire and His will, this whole thing about how we've been preaching and teaching and declaring that the fear of the Lord is this message that we've been in, and I just want to continue to challenge us as a people not my will be done, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The distractions that we go through is because we begin to mess up and we begin to get our will in place of God's will. And, and, and they co-mingle together. And I just really want to challenge us. Much of the distraction that we're going through is we are struggling with dying to our will versus having God's will done in our life. And one of the things as a church that we declare all the time, what is it? In, it is, the, is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's what we're going after as a church, is we want to be in the center of God's will. Amen? And I know, guys, you guys are doing that. You're push, pushing in and you're pressing forward. And part of that whole thing is discovering the fear of the Lord, because the fear of the Lord is truly the beginning of wisdom. Amen? And so I've been talking about that for several weeks, and, and we're wanting to grow as a people in the fear of the Lord. You realize that it is a muscle that you can grow. The fear of the Lord is something you can develop inside of you. And really what we're doing with these messages is we are helping you to develop the fear of the Lord in your life. And whether you grow in the fear of the Lord determines what you do after today's message or the messages prior. As a, even Austin shared, listening to the podcast and, and, and seeking God for freedom in our lives. Really what Austin talked about in his testimony of finances is really him and his wife are seeking to know God's way his ways when it comes to their finances and then trusting God getting out of the driver's seat as the prophetic team declared today that we can't do it in our own strength we can't be our own rainmakers but God is our rainmaker he is our provision he is our he is the one that takes care of us can I have an amen on that but we try to take care of ourselves and we have to move towards the fear of the Lord and we have to move towards being awed awestruck by him and that is how we gain ground in the kingdom and we bring the kingdom to the earth is when we put him in his rightful place. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, today as I preach this message, God, we want to put you in your rightful place. Lord, we've made you too small in our eyes. And God, today, may you be magnified. May your, your name be exalted and may we see you today for who you really are. As we talk about the fear of the Lord, God, would you bring increase? Would you today release? a spirit of wisdom and revelation over our hearts father i thank you for speaking to our hearts i thank you god for speaking to our hearts i thank you god for speaking to our hearts we want to grow in the fear of the lord and so god today i pray you bless this message as we talk about your transcendence as we talk about your eminence as we talk about how david saw you god may we see you like david saw you today and God, help us as we, we walk through the Word today to get a clear picture of who you are. Father, thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and if you're with me, say amen real loud. Amen. 
Amen. So we've talked about the transcendence of God. I'm going to recap just a little bit about the transcendence of God, and then we're going to move into discovering how David really saw a picture of the transcendence and glory of God. Because if we can see how David did it, guess what? We get a lot from David, and we're going to go into that today big time. So, But again, transcendence is not a word we use in our culture much at all. It's not something like uh, you teenagers are going to school and going, hey man, let's talk about the transcendence of God. Right, Joey? No, it doesn't happen that way, does it? No. Oh, hey, yeah, Adrian, you're at work and say, hey, have you talked about the imminence of God today lately? No. We, we don't use those words in our, in our vocabulary. But I want to use those words. They are such a big picture of who God is through those words. And so you need to understand it as a teenager. What does it mean, the transcendence of God? What does it mean uh, about the eminence of God? Because as we get a picture and we behold who he is, we become changed by what we behold. Amen? And so we talked about transcendence, and that word literally means that God is high and lifted up. He is is high. Everybody say high. high. I'm not talking about smoking weed. I'm talking about high. <laughs> that God is high. He is exalted. He is the most high God. Everybody say most high God. <laughs> he exists above and independent from others. He exists high above and he transcends everything. He is above everything. Everybody say everything. That's who he is. He rises above all. He surpasses all. He is all-sufficient, all-powerful, all-holy. He is self-sustaining. He is self-sufficient. He is upheld only by himself. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. He has no need. He rises above all. He rises above all others. There is no God like Jehovah. He is Yahweh. We talked about the word Yahweh and what Yahweh means. And literally, most high God. I am. I am. There is none higher than him. There is none higher than your God. We don't serve Buddha. We don't serve something of less idols. We serve the most high, the transcendent one. Can everybody say yes to that? Yes. He is God Almighty. He is the transcendent one and so transcendent means he's above all. And so God, we acknowledge you this morning. You are above all. You are God almighty. You are God almighty. Amen? And so the point I briefly made last, the last time I shared was this thing that God is so transcendent above all that he literally is unsearchable and he is literally unknowable. And I know that may tweak with you a little bit, but God is so much bigger than we, we know. He's so much higher than what you've currently conceived him to be. And when you make him small, when you, you let your problems dictate to you the size of your God, your problem now becomes a God or an idol to you. Because God is less than your problem, and that is not the truth. God is way above, but he is unsearchable, the word says, and unknowable, because he's so much bigger than your mind, your infinite mind, can conceive. Okay? And so one of the scriptures that I used that, that week was out of Isaiah 55, 8. And it says, from God's mouth himself, God said, my thoughts are completely different from your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. My ways are far beyond what you could imagine. Now, I know we all have great imaginations, but God is way beyond your imagination. 
Even David said in Psalms 145.3, he says, God's greatness is unsearchable. Now, that can really sound discouraging to you if God is unsearchable. But we're, we're, we're talking about that he is so beyond what we know currently. Does anybody want to know more about who God is and his beauty? Well, that's the quest that we're on because he is, there is no end to his greatness is what the word of God says. So imagine this, the ocean, the unsearchableness of our ocean. I mean, when you think of the unending, I, I, I remember talking to Alex when he got back from vacation as he looked out at the ocean, it was like, it's like it's never ending. You can get out there and it just keeps going and keep going. But there is a finiteness to the ocean, right? But what about underneath the ocean? Do you realize that 90% of our ocean currently is unsearched? It's unmapped, it's untapped into? 90% of it has never been seen. And it's a metaphor of God. That God is so unsearchable, he's so much higher than your current situation in your world. You think of the galaxy, the current galaxy that we live in, only 4% of it has been searched out and seen. Just the galaxy that we live in. Again, it is a metaphor of our amazing God. It is a metaphor that God is so unsearchable and is sitting there looking at you every night as you go to bed. And very few people look at that galaxy. The galaxy displays the wonder of our God. The, the galaxy is so, and, 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 and scientists have said, it is infinite. They've acknowledged that the galaxies are infinite. There is no end to it. That's your God. That's the God that we worship today. We declared praise to today. We said today, you are high and lifted up. You are almighty. You are worthy of praise. We lifted our hands. We painted. We worshiped. We shouted. We danced. We sat quietly before the Lord because we were worshiping someone that is so much greater, unsearchable, bigger than you and I. Can I have an amen on that? And we've got to search that out. We've got to know him. We've got to know our God. And that's the quest that we're on. Because as we seek him out, we, become, we begin to understand who he is and we begin to understand who we are and the power that he has in turn given to us, which truly is amazing. So, as we talked about his unsearchableness, and we talk about his, uh, un we're unable to completely grasp who he is, that is a characteristic of his transcendence, but there is also the aspect of eminence, which is really what took place today in worship, that there was this eminence. As soon as Ashley started to move towards the worship song about Abba, Father, she began to declare the closeness of God. God in his transcendence, unsearchable, his holiness can't even be touched just like Moses. Moses could not see his face. Our sinful life can't even come into the presence of God is what the word of God says, except by the blood of Jesus Christ, right? But yet there's this paradox that God is. He is not only high and lifted up and he transcends all others. He's unapproachable and you can't get to him. He is also the God of eminence. He's the God that is approachable. He is the God that in invites you into his presence. He's the God that says, I want you to come to me. I want you to discover me. 
And so, as we sat at the feet of the Father this morning, His eminence came close, and He said, I want you to sit before me, and I want you to experience me as Papa God. Well, Papa God is, yes, Abba is Papa God, Daddy. It's a term of endearment, which represents God's character as eminence. But He is also... Almighty God, which is to be feared and revered. He is also the King of glory. He is like a lion that you cannot approach. He is also magnificent and full of glory that you cannot take him and look at him as just Papa, but you must also see him as the transcendent, unsearchable one as well. That it's not one or the other, but it is both. I have to, as a Christian, I have to begin to discover God in his intimacy as Papa, Abba, that he emphasized this morning. And I'm sitting there going, okay, God, or you want me to go a different place with my message? Because, you know, that's, that's part of the message. And so we've got to know God as imminent. We have to know that his imminence overshadows his transcendence many times because he's wanting us to come close. So eminence is the closeness of God. It's where I crawl up in daddy's lap and I go, oh God, you are so good. It's when I'm in a trial and I, 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 I cast my care upon you, God, because you care for me. You are there for me. But in the other area, when it comes to my life and living a righteous and holy life, it's, oh God, I want to know you as the transcendent one. I want to be holy as you are holy. I want to I come up higher in my righteousness with you. And if we stay just with Papa God, you, you, the sloppy agape can come on you if you're not careful. And you can think you can stay in your sin because he, he is such a daddy. Well, he is a daddy, but he is also preeminent, and he hates sin, okay? And so we have to, as Christians, we have to get an understanding of who God is in both eminence and in both transcendence, okay? If you're with me, say amen. amen. So this incomprehensible creator God that is so high above all is a paradox in that he is unsearchable, but yet he wants us to search him out and discover his beauty. God wants us to seek to know him and his ways. He's unapproachable in holiness and splendor, but yet he is approachable and kind and caring and loves us and wants us to be, wants, uh, to be with us. So he is both transcendent and he is both imminent. He is both unapproachable and he is both close and sweet. Amen? And so he is both Yah and he is both Abba. He is both Yah, most high, but he is also Daddy, I love you. That's who our God is. It's amazing how his, how his unapproachableness is overshadowed but it's because of his love and his long desire to be with you. Really, if God had a need, it's just that he wants to be loved by you, and he wants you to love him, but he really has no need. He is self-sufficient in himself. So today what I'm going to do, I'm going to dive into, with whatever little time we have left, I'm going to dive into the life of David, and I'm going to talk about, I want to see what David saw about God, because we're going to start, start talking in great depth about God's character, his nature, and who he is, because I'm telling you, we have no clue at the beauty of our God completely. And boy, I hope you will go on a, I hope you'll take this home, I hope you will be, um, yeah, yeah. God is so good. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I just remembered that I forgot to do something right in the middle of it. Look, a bird, a bird. I had homework for you and I forgot to bring it. Oh, well, we'll get there. 
But at any rate, David. Let's talk about David. Anybody know who King David was? King David is an amazing guy to study. I have been studying him for about a month, and it's been a joy and fun looking over his life. And I think of you teenagers over here. I know the flip guys have already went out, they are, but David was about 12 when we start to see his life in the Bible. And uh, I know none of you guys are 12, but you guys are, you know, 16 and all that kind of stuff. God used David at a young age. And you guys, as youth of this house, God wants to use you guys in a powerful way for your generation. We need these guys, don't we? You guys are radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God, and God is calling you to himself. He's calling you to a deeper walk with him. And even you guys need to understand God and his transcendence and his eminence because it's really going to impact your generation. But David started at a young age, and David had a lot of problems in his life. You know, when we think of these patriarchs in the Word of God, I'm going to just briefly hit the mountaintops because of time. But we think of all the great things that David did. I think of how David, he established worship in the house, in the temple of God, 24-7. Night and day prayer. Night and day prayer. David, he did that. He turned Israel back to God and devotion to God. There's some powerful things that David did, that David did. But David, in his early years, was being groomed by God to be king over Israel. And so God allowed, for whatever reason, God allowed David to go through some crummy, crappy stuff. And it started when he was a shepherd, when he had to kill the lion and the bear because they came after his sheep, and he was, at, he was taking care of his dad's sheep. I mean, just think about it. At 12 years old, uh, you at 12, taking down a bear and taking down a lion, you, that, that would be a little intimidating, right? I mean, that was about at 12 years of age. I mean, we, can't, we don't even let our kids work at 12. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, you know, 12. I mean, David at 12 did that. I mean, he, he was prophesied at around 12 or 13 also by the prophet Samuel. And he came, God came and he prophesied to David at 12 or 13, you are, you are king over Israel. King. And he not only prophesied he was king over Israel, he went ahead and anointed him as king of, over Israel. And Saul was currently the king over Israel. And so it started a problem for David. Much rejection, much problems came to David. Now just imagine what 13-year-old or 14-year-old, if he's prophesied he's going to be president of the United States, what 13-year-old would, would know what to do with that? And so David knew there was destiny on his life. He was the youngest of all his brothers, and he's prophesied by Samuel. And after he's prophesied by Samuel, just like you guys, when you get a prophetic word from Denny Kramer or some other Shrek or some other prophetic brother that comes through here, or you get a prophecy from one of our prophetic team, and you sit there and you go, uh, well, God said this, but my life doesn't look like that. Well, what do you mean I'm going to own businesses and I can barely pay my bills? What do you mean I'm going to have children and my wife's womb is dead? What do you mean I'm going to be an evangelist and I'm going to minister to nations and I can't even talk to people? 
I mean, those are some of the prophetic words that I know have been declared over this house. What about the, the corporate word, word over the house of this house? That it was going to be like a youth movement and that we were going to affect this region. And you say, uh, and there's maybe 170 people here today, maybe on a good day. And you say, and we're going to affect a region and have regional impact? Yep, we sure are. Yep, we are. It may not look like it yet, but it's going to come. And we're going to affect a young generation. And we're going to turn the schools upside down for Christ. And it is going to happen, just like David was prophesied over. But it took almost 30 years before that came to pass. Because in the process of disappointment, in the process of all rejection, in the process of a man being formed by the power of God, he went through much disappointment and problems. Just like you guys are going through. Because you're being prepared for greatness. We are being prepared for greatness at this house. God is doing something in this house. We are being prepared for greatness. And we are going to affect a generation. But you've got to get through your mess. You've got to get through the trial. You've got to persevere and not quit. You can't get rejected and you can't stay in your misery. And you can't get distracted. You can't get distracted. Mount up with wings as eagles and fight. Don't let the devil win. You are more than a conqueror through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We are going someplace and we need you to get in the game. Makes me want to shout. Come on now, shout. But the distractions are everywhere. And David had all this crap that was coming to him. I mean, just imagine at 16, he comes down, and, and, they're, and they're, the Philistines are on one side, and, and, and the armies of God are on one, and everybody's scared to death of Goliath. And David rises up with righteous indignation. Who is this giant that defies the, the armies of the living God? Because he had a walk with God, he had discovered the transcendence and the glory of God. And there was something in this young man that he had discovered through his trials. He didn't quit. Say he didn't quit. And I can go over how he was in Saul's, he was a minstrel for Saul, and he was a worshiper, and all the psalms, and we could go through all the psalms of, of David praising and worshiping the glory of God. The Psalms are packed full of praise and thanksgiving. The Psalms are packed full of, of declaration of who God is. And all that stuff was written when David was going through the crap. When he was, he was hiding from Saul. And he was hiding out. He'd been, he'd been prophesied he was king. But Saul was so jealous of him, he was pursuing his life. Some of you are being pursued by the enemy. He wants to take you down. And I say, up yours, Satan, because he ain't going to get it. He's not going to take Mike Brown out. He's not going to take Austin out. He's not going to take Sam out. We're going to be fighters. And when trials come, we get tough. When trials come, we get tough. When trials get come, we get tough. And we rely upon the glory and the presence of God, the transcendence of our God. And we know he's so high that whatever this little thing I'm going through, it is tiddlywinks. Oh, God, I'm going to die. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, my gosh, Scrappy. We're going to, we're going to die. <laughs> That's the way we act sometimes. I don't know what we're going to do. 
there's a ghost behind that wall. Oh, Thelma, take care of it. Now, I know for you young generations, you probably don't watch Scooby-Doo, but hey, I did, okay? But I think of all the trials that David went through, and I, I don't have time to list them. But can you imagine for about eight to ten years, literally after you've already been anointed king over Israel, and you're having to hide out in caves, you're having to find food. I mean, really think about it. Guys, think about what David went through. We just think that it was this wonderful thing where he just became king and it was all, you know, uh, it, it, yeah, I just confessed it. I, I just said, I'm king and it's just going to be okay. Jesus said it and I'm doing it. I'm king. The prophetic word said, I'm the king. Now, what's your problem, Solly? I mean, really think about what David had to walk through. He's walking through. He's a man just like you. And he has to fight. He has to fight. Are you a fighter or are you a wimp? Oh, I can't hear you. That's who we are. We are more than conquerors. That's who I am. I'm going to win this thing, man. When that's the end of my life, it's going to be said, he fulfilled God's purpose in his generation. Through a lot of trial, a lot of headache, and a lot of boneheads. But God, God, but God. Everybody say, but God. The great I am, the most high God, but God. Just like the prophetic word said this morning, quit trying to do it on your own. The lion of the tribe of Judah is going to come in for you if you'll yield and quit being a control freak. Praise the Lord. In a cave. And 25 to 30 years later, David becomes king, not over Israel, but Judah, the southern tribe of Israel, decided they wanted David as their king, and they wanted to see the prophetic word come forth of David. And so David becomes king of Judah, which is the smaller kingdom. Saul was still king to the north in Israel. And by golly, then here came a civil war. And now Judah fights against um, Israel. A civil war happens, and now David becomes king 25 to 30 years later. But I'm telling you, it was through the trouble. It was through the hardship. It was through when things weren't going good. It's when church attendance is low. It's when people's lives are falling apart that God says, oh, but I got something else coming for you. He says, when things ain't looking good, don't get discouraged because I'm using it to compel you and to propel you forward. What compelled David was David had an understanding of the transcendence and the fear of God that literally changed his life. And it changed the history of Israel. And so what we want to look at, I want to, I want to take us to 1 Chronicles. Get your Bibles out with me. We're going to show you this one scripture, and we're going to keep moving here. But I hope you're going to come out of here today going, I can do this. Are you with me? So 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13. David is ending He's coming to the end of his life. He's coming to the end of his life. The Philistines had given them much, much headache through the years. 
and he is coming to the end of his life, and he is desiring to build a temple for his God, okay? And at the end of him making preparations for the temple of his God, I'm going to show you some pictures. I'm going to do some video. I want to show you what David was doing because it's really important to understand what David saw and what David saw of God caused David to do some extravagant, crazy things for God. And that's what I'm looking for from New Covenant. I'm looking for extravagant givers. I'm looking for extravagant lovers. I'm looking for passionate, aggressive lovers of God. Because when we get a picture of who he really is, I'm telling you, it will affect every part of your life. And you won't be looking at me and, Eric, you're expecting too much. No, I'm not expecting nothing. Your God is expecting something. And once we get a revelation of who he is, we will, we will be like David. And I just have to look at David's life. So look, this is, this is look, if you guys, oh, I got the thing, don't I? So I, I, I'm, I'm pumped, sorry guys. I'm, I'm fired up, you guys fired up? Yeah. This is what David did, First Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of all our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. David was not at the assembly going, Oh God, Lord, Father of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, O Most High, you are greatness and power and glory belong to you, Most High. No. David had a picture. He wasn't a religious robot. He was declaring through praise who God was. Your greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head of over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. You, in your hands, are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Everybody say amen to that. That's what we become, praisers of God. So what we look at, and look at these words that I've put down. Adjectives describing, describing God. Oh Lord, the God, everlasting to everlasting, greatness, power, glory, majesty, splendor, everything is yours, exalted head of all, ruler of all things, all strength and power is in your hands. Do you see something that David is seeing? What is David seeing? He has seen the transcendence of God. He has developed over the trials of his life. He has developed the fear of the Lord. By the way, that's going to be part of your homework if you want to write that down. And I'm going to email homework to you, so bear with me. Like a bone. No, I'm so smart. I'm not a bonehead. Praise the Lord. Not strike that word. David, knowing all the transcendent glory of God, seeing something about God. He looked at what... And, and, and I don't want to go further with these declarations. Because David saw this. This called David, caused David to do some amazing things at the end of his life. So if you have your Bibles, go to the very first verse of 1 Chronicles 29. And we're going to discover, as David is getting ready to build a temple for his God, and makes, he makes all these preparations of the temple of God. Knowing God's transcendence and his glory, David is in awe and wonder of his God. That's how he's seeing his God. 
And we're going to read, what was it that it caused David to do? Because this is what happens when people like you and I get a picture of who really God is. When we start to see God like that, it radically changes our life. Does anybody want that? Or do you just want to live a boring life? Oh, I just want to get up and live a mediocre life. I just, want to, I just want to maintain my life. I just don't really want to make a difference. No. I believe I'm in amongst of a company, an army, that wants to make a difference for the king of glory. I believe I'm in a house where people want to do something great for God. Is that the house that we're in? I believe that with all my heart. And so look, look at the passage. Now let's look at what King David did. Let's look how this revelation of who God was, how it transformed him. Then King David said to the whole assembly, my son Solomon, who is getting ready to take over king for David, because David is going, going, coming to the end of his life, and he is going to be with his God. Amen. He said, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen is young and inexperienced. Sounds like us here at New Covenant. We're young and inexperienced, but we got greatness in us. I'm young, right? 54 is young, right? Can I have a witness? Please tell me it's young. The task is great for Newcastle because this palatial structure, this temple he's talking about, this palatial structure that David's wanting to make, he said this palatial structure is not for man, but who? For the Lord God. With all my resources, everybody say all my resources. I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, wood for the wood, onyx, good turquoise stones, all kinds of fine stone, marble, all these are in large, everybody say large, Large. quantities, Quantities. besides, in my devotion, say in my devotion, I am devoted to God, say that, say I am devoted to God. Yes, that's who you are. In my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give what? My personal treasures of gold, silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of my personal gold from Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and for the silver work and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now... Who is willing? Who is willing to consecrate themselves for the Lord today? Who? Who is willing? I'm willing. Are you willing? Consecrate yourselves. Don't get distracted. Stay focused on your God. Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 now talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100 talents. That's a lot of talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Geshonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Praise God for the reading of his word. David gave extravagantly. Everybody say extravagantly. Extravagantly. Say, I give extravagantly. 
David gave of his personal treasures. Now, we in our culture, okay, how many, Joey, did you go to school this week and say, yeah, I gave eight talents uh, uh, at, at church today? No. You know, we're, you know, what do you think a talent is? A what? A bird claw? What is a talent? A talent. He gave 600, he gave 200 talents of gold. You don't really know. So what does it mean when David says, I gave of my personal treasures, I put you on the spot. Don't you love it when I put the teenagers on the spot? You are so gracious, Joey. Thank you. Hey, Gage, what is it? What's a talent? Do you know? You don't know. Absolutely, you don't have a clue. Let me, let me help you for just a moment. Can I help you for a moment now that I have your attention? David gave 260 tons of gold. Do you think that's very much gold? A ton is 2,000 pounds. So if you weigh, well, I'm not going to talk about a woman weighing. <laughs> that's dangerous. Do I have a witness? That's dangerous. Imagine from David's bank account, 260 tons of gold. Excuse me, 110 tons of gold, 260 tons of silver. Excuse me, I messed that up. 110 tons of gold, 260 tons of silver. They don't even, they said that the bronze and all that that he gave was too heavy to measure. From his personal IRA. From his personal account. When we started this church, there were people who gave their retirement accounts. There were people who gave of their personal treasuries. It happened. But David had a picture of God. And this is what it caused him to do. There's the temple. The temple of his God. David had it in his heart to do something for this God. He began to see the transcendence. He saw the glory of God. And now he was wanting to give something to his God that described who he was, that, that, that was declaring something. Not that the building was important to God. It was that David had seen something about God that made him want to do something like this. Beautiful, isn't it? Oops. 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 There we go. That's just, oh gosh, I'm messing it up. Can you just go to the gold inside the, t thank you. Imagine all those walls being laid with gold. Imagine the altar of bronze. Imagine the incense table. Incense. We were singing about that last week, and I was just thinking, people have no clue what incense is. Let incense rise. We sang it, let incense rise. What the world is incense rising in our worship song? It's the prayers and the worship of the saints stood before. The, it was a type and shadow. It was a metaphor of something that God wanted in his house that his people would praise and worship him day and night as the incense could not go out on the altar. That's kind of what it looked like on the inside. It caused our, our King David to do that. 
Here's a little video that somebody made 3D of the inside of the temple. They like winged creatures. Imagine walking into the temple of God and the priest going up from the holy place, those steps. And as you had the priest would go up the steps to meet with God for the people. Imagine the gold lampstands. Imagine the fire never going out. The palatial structure that David said that he wanted to make for his God. The table of showbread. All these are prophetic metaphors of what God wants from his people. Because we are now that temple. And then the door would open to the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. And the cherubim would cover the Ark of the Covenant with the tablets from Moses inside the tabernacle in the, of the Ark. And God had given David all the details of the temple. And at the end of David's life, he did everything that he could to make preparations for this amazing temple. And the presence of God would come inside the temple and the cloud would form as God would come and his abode would show up in the temple. And good news, church, you are now the temple of the Most High God. That God literally comes to dwell inside of man through the power of Jesus Christ. The true atonement, the true altar of sacrifice that has been made for us. But the point that I wanted to make is David went to extreme measures to make sure that his God, the reason David did this is he had a picture of the transcendence of God. He had the fear of God. And you know what? It really is crazy. When he talked, when it says in there, just a small little thing, the gold of Ophir. Where is the gold of Ophir? Well, there's a lot of discrepancy in the Bible, but you got to realize there is a pointer on this, isn't there? Yeah, there it is. All right. So here we are with Israel right here, right? Some believe that Ophir was in South Africa. Some believe in southern India. And some even believe the Philippines. It was a three-year journey that David wanted the best gold for his God. The best gold for his God. Did you hear me? The best gold for his God. Because he's seen God in his high and lifted up state. He saw who God was. And it compelled him. The fear of the Lord compelled him to go at great lengths. And it says every three years he would go and get gold from Ophir as he made preparation for the temple of his God. And in the church of Western America, God gets our leftovers. Because we don't see him 
for who he really is. Because we're so busy and we're so distracted by the cares of this world that we don't see God in his transcendence and his glory. I believe God is taking us on a move here in this house to discover the fear of the Lord, the transcendence of our God. And we are on a journey to be just like David, a man and a woman after God's own heart, to discover the transcendence and the beauty of our God that will compel us to die for the kingdom of heaven, to sacrifice, to do great things, Otherwise, if I call you to sacrifice for the kingdom of heaven without having this revelation, you you will do it out of guilt. You will sacrifice for God because people put pressure on you to sacrifice for God rather than you seeing him for who he is. And the fear and the honor and the awe of God compels me to give all that I have. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the message about being distracted, the message about what's going on spiritually in this house, we have got to be people who heed the call of God and hear God's voice. And we have to say, God, I want to know you like that. I want to know what the word splendor, majesty, I want to know you that way. Is that anybody in this house? David was radically, passionately, aggressively a lover of God. David went to great lengths and he was obsessed with God. You know, we had somebody when they saw our mission statement online a few years ago and they saw the word radical, they thought that that was inappropriate. You guys like them radical imslams? Some people think our worship is extreme. I say, you ain't seen nothing yet. And it's not that I'm to offend anyone with my worship. I realize I have to realize that we have many different maturity levels with people coming into this house, and I have to respect other people. But radical worship looks different than even what we're experiencing. Because I think even Karen's word to us is worship can even be about ourselves getting a a, a fix rather than it really being about the God Most High. That actually I can come to church and be distracted by worship in church because I'm wanting something for me rather than I'm wanting something for the Most High One. And we've sinned in that area. As a church, we have sinned coming to church wanting it for us and how am I going to get my fix or how am I going to get my need taken care of rather than it being an audience of one. And I think we could all repent. I can repent of that. Anybody else? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to be on this journey of discovering the transcendence and glory of God. 
And I'm asking, will you go with us? In your trial, in your pain, in your trouble with kids, or your trouble at your job, or your trouble at school, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The first message I taught on the fear of the Lord, I talked to you guys about the benefits of the fear of the Lord. Not to lose our awe and wonder. You know that song, may I never lose my wonder, wide-eyed, mystified. We have, to, we have to get this wonder recaptured within our hearts. Do you agree with me? And so one of the ways we're going to do that is every person in this house has got to get in the word with us. We have got to begin to discover the beauty of our God, not just from me preaching it on a Sunday morning, but every day that we are going after. What is it that David saw when David used those words? What were the words that David used? Everlasting greatness, power, majesty, splendor, everything is yours, exalted above all. What are those words? What do they mean? I've been studying those words, and it's just amazing how God begins to unveil himself to me as I begin to discover his attributes. And here's, the, here's the, what David did. And I'm going to read this uh, to you out of Psalms 145. Write this down before you leave. You'll want to read this this week. Psalms 145, verses 3 and 4. And I'm going to land this plane, excuse me, 3 through 6, because it's 20 after 12, and you guys are dear. I'm sure you're hungry. Uh, Psalms 145, verses 3 through 6. Listen to what David's, listen to what David's, because uh, this is the action step. This is the application time. This is where you got to put something in your pipe and spoke it now. This is where you got to take the application of today's word and you've got to put it in your life. And this is how David put it in his life. And you go, well, I don't know what that is. I know you don't know what that is, but you're going to discover what that is, right? That's what we're, we're growing. We're learning as the people of God, right? So out of Psalms 145, 3 through 6, this is David's secret. And I'm giving you a secret. I got it from a different version, but that's okay too. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. That's the secret. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men may speak of your awesome acts, but I will declare your greatness. Two things you're going to take home with you today. Teenagers, adults, all of us need to do this. Number one, we need to meditate on his glorious splendor and his works. If you will take 1 Chronicles 29 that I read at the very beginning of this message, and all those words that I lit down, wrote down, if you will literally over the next week or two, if you will take one word, one word that describes the splendor of God, take the word splendor, for example, go to biblehub.com. You can do word study on biblehub.com. You can actually see what that word actually means. You can actually look up other scriptures that use the word splendor of our God, and you can actually do a Bible study on the transcendence and the glory of God. David said he did it, and he meditated on it all the time. What does all the time mean? That is the Hebrew word for all the time. If you look that up in the Hebrew, it means all the time. And most of our meditation in the body of Christ is on worries, troubles, and problems. Most of our meditation. Or it's run to work, run to here, just as Karen said, distracted, run here, run there, and all of a sudden, I've not taken the time of God. I'll never forget, uh, a couple years ago, I had the, the remembrance of me table up here, and I put 10 apples 
on the table. Everybody remember that message? It was just an exhortation on giving to the Lord. Does anybody remember it? And I put 10 apples, and I shared with that these are the 10 apples. God gives you 10 apples, and he asks for the first one. And that's called the tithe. It's just about our giving, extravagant giving like David. He asked for the first apple. Which apple do we give him? And that apple is three-fourths eaten. So he gets our leftover rather than he gets our first fruit. And what I'm talking about, God deserves your first fruit. The first fruit of your time, the first fruit of your money, the first fruit of who you are. Tithe is, I'm not, this isn't even a tithe message. This is about devotion. This is about the, what God is worth. And when we see God for what he's worth, you won't have to be guilted by a Tom or an Eric or Fred or Frida or your wife to give to the Lord. Because when you have an understanding of who God is, oh God, it's all yours anyway. All wealth and honor come from you is what David said. There's more there. There's more coming. I just sow. And then I reap. I could tell you a story this week. This is no joke. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it. Can you give me two more minutes? God's good. We're fixing up Rebecca's house, and we're doing all this work, and the septic tank has some problems. The guy thought he could fix it for about $1,500 and 2000 something like that. And so he gets to working on it, and he comes to me, and he says, there's a pipe that needs to be redone, da 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 Long story short, $3,200. Dang. And he said, but the Lord told me to take $1,500 off. It was within the budget of what we had set. It wasn't free, but he took $1,500 off. I'm telling you, God takes care. I'm telling you, he is good. He is amazing. It's not because I'm good. He's good. Please don't get me wrong. I've messed up. I've done some things that are stupid. He takes care of his kids. There's a job for you. There's a reason God took care of you. You don't have to worry about where the money's going to come from. You're a tither. You're a giver. You are seeking the kingdom of heaven. God takes care of his kids. He's good all the time. It may be later than you want. It may not come on time like you want it, but it will come through. David was not king when he was 12, but 30 years later it came. It came. It came through the, the cave and through all the trouble. It came to David. And man, did it come. 110 tons of gold, 260 tons of silver. Ain't got that in my bank account yet, do you? Not yet. But again, you're not going to get that kind of money if God doesn't, can't trust you. You'll be, you'll, be smoke, you'll, be, you'll be dreaming that for, for years. Because God's not a God of waste either. So the action step this week. Sorry, a little bird and I got diverted. Action step this week. Will you do this? Will you take an action step and move toward the fear of the Lord in your life this week? And will you take the scripture out of 1 Chronicles 29? And will you begin to list those 12 attributes that I had on that sheet? I'll tell you what, Brian, run up here real quick, buddy. Make a copy of this. You are going to get my notes. There's the 12 attributes. Make 30 or 40 or however many, and he'll have those for you on the way out. I will email you. I will Facebook. 
what I had for you guys, but if you want something to take home and you don't want to have to write all these attributes down, there's 12 things about God that you're going to discover. It's those things right there. We're going to go break that down. We're going to, and here's what I want to know. When you do this this week and you get a revelation of God, I want to know about it. I want you to email me. I want you to text me. I want you to tell me something that God showed me, showed you about himself. I may even use it in a message. But I want to know. I want this house to get a revelation of the fear and the respect and the honor of our God. And God wants us to discover him and to go after him. Can I have an amen on that? So that's going to be our homework. That's the action step. And you say, well, how does that benefit me? It benefits you big, big time. Because with every trouble, every trial that you're going through, if you will discover the preeminence and the transcendence of our God, and, and you will begin to walk in the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing the right thing to do at the right time. Knowing the right thing to do at the right time. And I get some questions. Man, I tell you what, I, I, I have been hurting over the last couple months. Multiple marriages that are really hurting and, and people struggling in certain areas of their life. Not just marriages. I'm talking about many, many different things. But the, the, the resounding gong, the thing that I see in meeting with people is they don't know what to do. And they need the wisdom of God. And what we're talking about is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that wisdom. James chapter 1 says, If any man lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to those who, without finding fault. In other words, I don't care if you sinned last night. God's still going to give you wisdom if you ask for it. Amen. Stand up with me. We're fighters. We're an army. And we're going to do this, guys. We're going to fight, and we're going to discover the greatness of God. The two steps, again, meditate on his glorious splendor and works. I preached a message many, many years ago. Meditation brings revelation. Revelation brings transformation. Meditation brings revelation. Revelation brings transformation. If you'll meditate on the nature and the character of God, if you meditate on it, if you seek it, if you pray and ask for it, and you're mulling it over your mind, it's when you're driving down the road, there's sometimes I don't want a podcast. There's sometimes I don't want music. There's sometimes when I'm driving down the road, I'm just meditating on the glory of God and saying, God, show me who that, what, what you are. Show me your goodness. And there's sometimes it's a podcast. But this thing of, of meditating on the splendor of our God, that's your action step this week. Will you do it with me? Yes. Meditate on his glorious splendor and his works. I even this morning as I was preparing today's, I was like, Lord, I, 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 I've not been praising you. I've not been meditating on your works. I've been meditating on your splendor, but I've left out the works part. And I said, what, what works do you want me to meditate? He said, remember what I did with Joel? Oh. You remember what I did when you couldn't get pregnant? And you didn't have children? You remember when you changed jobs and you went from banking to construction and you thought, oh my gosh, how are we going to pay the bills? Do you remember that I actually tripled your income? As I left the bank, I thought, how am I going to make it in construction and being a project manager and an estimator? God, and, and then they decided to give me a 2% commission. 
Do you remember how I tripled your income? Ooh, your works. That's why you want us to have memorial stones. That when they crossed the Red Sea, you asked them to make a memorial stone of what you had done. They want, you wanted them to meditate on your works. Oh, God, you've been faithful to me. Oh, God, I praise you for your splendor. I thank you for your works. I praise you for your works. I praise you for your splendor and your glorious splendor. I meditate on your glorious splendor. I meditate on your works. And I will declare your greatness. I will declare your greatness. I will declare your greatness. I will declare your greatness, O oh God. Great is your faithfulness. So today I'm asking for a commitment. If we could turn on some music. I'm asking you to make a commitment, not to me. I'm asking you to make a commitment to God. Please don't get distracted right now. Please don't get consumed with your life and your kingdom. Come away with me. Come away with me and let's discover the beauty of our God. Come away with me to 1 Chronicles 29 and let's discover the splendor and the majesty of our God. Come away with me and let's be the people of God that he's called us to be. Let's reach this generation because our eyes are on him. Because our affection is on the most high God. Yahweh. The great I am. Lord, we worship you. Father, I ask this week that you would release a spirit of wisdom and revelation to your people as they discover your splendor and your glory. Father, I thank you for testimonies. I thank you, God, for a breaking in like the lion. Break in. Break in. God, I'm asking. Just ask him right now. God, I want to see you that way. Just tell him right now, God, I, I, I say yes to this. I will get in your word. I will study First Chronicles. Tell him, tell him your heart. Make a commitment to him right now. What's the Spirit of God asking you to do? I've heard from heaven. This message is from God. What are you going to do with it? I beseech thee, brethren. God, show us your glory. Father, you hear the hearts of the people right now. You know the ones that are saying yes. And Father, you said that you would rise up a people who would go with me and with us. And I thank you for this people. God, I love this house. I love this people. God, you have called us here Pastor Tom, myself, and so many other leaders, you have called us here to do a great work. And Father, I thank you for this people. And I ask God that you would 
move on our hearts this week as we put these two action steps in. As we meditate upon your glorious splendor. Number one. And number two, as we declare your greatness and we talk about your works. Father, we love you. We praise you. I thank you for the guests that are with us today. Father, may they go along with us on this journey of discovering your goodness. Father God, if we're weak and we don't know how to get into the word, Father, I thank you for connect groups are here to help people get in the word. I thank you for people who will help others to get into the word of God. And Father, I thank you for giving us wisdom in this hour. Father, have your way. Have your way. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May the peace of the Lord go with you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May he give you revelation. May he give you understanding of his splendor and his glory. May he show you things this week that you didn't know about him. May you come back next week fired up and ready to go. May you have testimonies that God spoke to you about his beauty. And Father, I thank you for that. Bless your people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you.